0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Okay, open your Bibles if you could. I'm gonna spend a lot of time here in the next 30 minutes uh, in a particular scripture. I'm gonna to go to 2 Corinthians 5. It was actually a month ago. I think it was five weeks ago. I started this sermon. and you know, we never finished it. Holy Spirit moved, and uh, I had about 15 minutes, just enough time to read a few verses and, uh, and talk a little bit about it. But I, I wanted to push in a little bit more when we got a chance, and this is the day for that chance. So we're going to go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 5 here in just a moment. Let me throw a few, a few things out to you. It's a quote I just read this week from a friend of mine who's an evangelist, 95% of of conversions, 95% of people that actually turn to Christ come from 3% of the church body, 95% of people that are told and receive the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 95% of them are told by 3% of the church body, how many of you think we could do a little better than that, anyone else, yeah, I do too, I think though there's a problem with evangelism it's kind of like prayer. Prayer, evangelism, discipleship, these are hard work. I mean, it, it's, it's even giving, really. These are things that actually a lot of pastors avoid talking about because it, it, we don't wanna hear about it. We don't wanna hear about it. It brings up guilt in our hearts. I know, I know I should be telling people about Jesus. I know, but I just, you know, it's not my personality. I don't think it's my gifting. It's not my call. I'm not tall enough. I'm too big, tall. I'm not short. I'm, I'm overweight, I'm underweight. I'm, I'm, you know, we come up with all these reasons. I don't know what it is, you know. I don't want people to not like me. I'm, I'm using friendship evangelism. I know what that is, but every time I hear it, I go, oh, okay. How's that going? Like, how many souls have come to Jesus? Oh, well, you know, it takes time. You know, I mean, we're all scared to death of it for some reason to talk about the very thing that transformed our lives. Because we know we're in a cancel culture right now. I mean... <laughs> You're, you're. I mean, the enemy is coming face on with our children in Christian schools. The three precious little, were they eight year olds or nine year olds, down in Tennessee that were shot and killed this past week, and three of the teachers in their sixties, two generations, the caregivers, the ones who loved the children. One lady ran toward the gunman and was shot and killed because she didn't want to reveal where the children were behind her and possibly save many lives. Laid down her life, I think she was 61 years old. I mean, it makes me emotional to think about it. I think what you can do in a moment, you know, when the crisis comes. The enemy is in an all out assault. Do not misunderstand what's going on in culture right now. I am not paranoid. But the ultimate assault is working its way toward Christianity. It did the same thing in the Roman Empire 1,500 years ago. What's the problem of our nation falling apart? It's the Christians. It's always either been the Jews or the Christians because we serve the same God. Jews are the Christians. And the devil is coming at you and coming at your children. And that makes you afraid, well, then I'm not going to say anything. I don't, I'm telling you. If you hide yourself, I love what scriptures say, it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. You ever read that? It's in Ecclesiastes 9, I think. (laughs) It's better to be a, a living dog than a dead lion. There's something about the courage that's needed to come forth in our lives. That the willingness to live a life that is given fully to Jesus Christ and the ability to, to be carriers of a dynamic presence shaped, that has the potential of changing every person's life that we encounter. Yeah. It's funny, I mentioned my lift driver. I, I get a lot of Ubers and Lyfts, uh, mainly Lyft, by the way, I got to tell you, because it's, it's a better deal. But anyway, right now it's a better deal. Lyft and Uber, you know, and it's great opportunities to talk with people and drivers and to hear their, their story and... And just communicate the love of God, you know. And of course, typically when I go out of town and I'm out of town quite a bit, you know, I leave from the Brunswick or Middleburg campus because it's close to the airport. Saves me money on Lyft, you know. And uh, of course, when they pick you up at a church parking lot, they have a lot of questions, you know. And so we engage with those questions and and, uh, it, it, it inevitably ends up with some kind of conversation about Jesus or about what I do or whatever. I was sitting in a... Italian, uh, um, uh, ca- uh, market last week and I'm sitting, I'm bellied up against the coffee bar there, Cindy and I, and, uh, we sat, you know, it's hard to get in there. You got to go there at nine o'clock, stand in line to get in this place. It's that good. You know, and it's kind of like the market downtown, you know, Westside market, but it's all Italian and you can buy and sit and drink coffees, you know, and watch them make the pasta in behind. So we love going over there and, uh, just being a part of that, you know, I sit down and this lady next to me looks at me and says, uh, she goes uh, something like, uh, well, what do you do? Now, I've learned years ago, they should have taught me this in Bible school, never tell anyone you're a pastor because the whole atmosphere changes. And so my wife said, well, what do you think he does? Thank you, Cindy. She looked at me and said, well, you seem well put together. I don't get that much, but thank you. There was an 82-year-old woman hitting on me, I believe. <laughs> kind of feels good, not. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she goes, I, I, I don't know, a doctor? I said, no, no. You got like a lawyer or engineer or something? No, no, well, what are you? And the deadly words came out of my mouth. Said, I'm a pastor. She goes, "Oh, I better straighten up." You know, she kind of got straightened up in her seat, and I said, "This is the reason I don't tell anyone that I'm a pastor." You know? We started communicating back and forth. it was amazing. the power, the, the, there's something about being a carrier of the presence of God. It will stir something everywhere you go. I, and I'm a carrier of the presence of God. You are too. We're believers. We're followers of Jesus. We've been touched by the face of God, which means his presence. And the, the, the shame, and I don't mean shaming as in I'm shaming you or anything like that. But that the shame that, that is upon the church that we do not fully understand, it isn't about us it's about what's inside of us, what we are carrying. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I, I used to wear you know, the Jesus shirt we have out there with a the picture of Jesus on the front. I quit wearing it because it, it caused such conviction on me. Because they're wearing people go, oh, yeah. I mean, people recognize it as Jesus. How, how? I don't know. You got a guy with a beard, you know, big beard, guy on a shirt, and it's like, oh, that's Jesus, you know? What's that mean? You know, I'm a Jesus follower. And it compelled me all the time, like, you cannot be off your game right. Right. when you wear a Jesus shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Don't cut in. Oh, uh, yeah, I got the Jesus shirt. What the, Jesus shirt. <laughs> well, just don't count that on my taxes, Jesus shirt. I mean, it's amazing. We should all be walking around with Jesus shirts. It'll change your life. Because, in fact, sometimes I've, I've got upset at somebody, and then walked home, we'll go into my bedroom, take my jacket off, and go, oh, I had the Jesus shirt on. Oh no, Jesus, forgive me, Lord. Help that person not to think I was angry, even though I was. So what's going to break us out? What's going to break us out? I, I want to I pull this down a little bit and take off the fear. I mean, the enemy comes in and jacks this thing up so big that we're like, I can't evangelize. I mean, when people do it with with getting filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't speak in tongues. I have tried over and over. It's like, well, quit trying. So let the Spirit move through you. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It just happened all through the New Testament. You are gonna be filled with an unusual presence of God. And when it comes upon you, you can feel it. You know it. I mean, you have the Lord, but there's times when you have the Lord. I mean, he comes onto a situation, you recognize this is a moment that God's wanting me to open my mouth and take a stand. So look at 2 Corinthians 5. This might help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this in verse one, speaking about our earthly tent. It says, for we know that our earthly house, it's talking about us, our earthly house, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God. Scott Veach, Husband of Susan Veach, who runs our finances here in the church, passed away last Saturday. And uh, he had been a long battle. He was 59 years old, diabetes, juvenile diabetes, you know, from when he was young, childhood diabetes. And uh, he was a dear guy, and we all know him. We've seen the pain that he's gone through. And, and you know, I mean, it's one of those moments where you mourn, but you, but you rejoice, you You mourn and rejoice, you feel that because he is now this tent that was being whittled away by the powers of darkness, his body. You know, in a moment when he was was in the hospital and he had a heart attack and he went to be with uh, uh, Jesus instantaneously, we know the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If you always wonder what happens, there may be a, a journey, but I tell you, it's lightning fast. You may be following a little bright light into the future. (laughs) I'm talking about all these people that have had these near-death experiences or death experiences and come back. They all see a light, you know, and they say it's something in your brain that happens or whatever. Or it's the guiding light of the Lord coming to rescue that one lamb, you know, that's just so it's absolute. You feel the presence of God. Cindy's been watching all these YouTube videos about people that have died and come back you know and she's she's now a a youtuber expert on this and she was telling me the other day that one guy was flying so fast and he felt peace and the presence of god got so fast it kind of freaked him out and as soon as it freaked him out in his spirit it slowed down a little bit it's like the lord adjusted said okay you know and then once he got confident with it they sped it back up again i thought well that is really weird it's almost like god just watching out for every moment you know In the presence of God. So our tent will be thrown aside. But by the way, the Bible says this is the temple of the Lord. Did you know there's a sacredness to your physical body? Christians sometimes just go, ah, it's my body. It's going to burn. It's going to turn to dust, ashes, whatever, you know. And they're going to spread them out in some mountain over in Ireland, you know. I mean, we have all these views of what it is. But I'm telling you, it is sacred before the Lord because you offer it as a living sacrifice to God. It is, at times, the ram that's on the altar or the oxen that's on the altar. And so it is our tent. And and it's a challenge in this tent because this tent has its issues. It's the only thing that's not, not benefiting from this life. It will die. Your spirit is already living eternally in God. Your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, is being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit in your personal spirit, who you are. So you're being transformed. I just got hit by the Holy Spirit the morning uh, when I was studying that the Lord asked me, he said, do you still want to learn? I said, yeah, yeah, I love learning. I love, I love learning. And then, and then he gave me the challenge of what he wanted to do. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know. I'm 66. I mean, that's Lord, typically that kind of stuff you do in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you know, said, so well, I'm just asking. said, so yeah, 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 I'll do that. You know, I mean, it's, it's a long story, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm submitting to it. It's just taking time, you know? It's like, well, you know, again, it's the boundaries thing. You, you, you say, this is who I am, this is where I'd be. I'm gonna cruise in this for a while. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is this ever, never-ending exploration of the destiny and goodness of God upon your life. And even identifying and knowing who you are in God. I mean, you, you cannot stop. A lot of Christians have stopped. They put a pin in it and said, this is where I am. I'm happy with this. You are missing out on some of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. So he says, this tent destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with a habitation which is from heaven. I don't know if you understand that. I do. I mean, there's many times I'm like, oh, God, just take me home, Lord. I mean, I've been through stem cell transplant. I've been through heart open heart surgery. You know, I had an infected gallbladder removed years ago. After a while, it's like, Lord, like what else is there? Lord, just heal this body, Lord. And there are times in the midst of it, you're like, I just want to go home. I groan, I groan for it. Creation groans for the sons of God to come forth. Yes. Says in this we groan. Why? Because we know there's the eternal habitation that's going to be better. But... The Lord still has us here. Verse three, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. It's like when you taste spiritual life, you want more of it. It says that mortality, I love this passage. I think I, I shared this little Thing last time I spoke, but that mortality may be swallowed up by life. You know what the literal Greek here is? Drink down. That mortality would just drink down this life. Like you get, you get, you get swallowed by an immortal God. Life replaces mortality. And now he who has prepared us for this very thing in God, who has also given us his spirit as a guarantee. You understand that, right? That the Holy Spirit was given to you in order to guarantee it's meant to be a constant reminder. I got hit in an unusual way here this morning up front. I really did. I just, I walked around the room sensing what people are going through. The Holy Spirit just came upon me. And I cherished that. I I, I even thought about it. It's funny how when the Holy Spirit's moving, you can actually think also. I thought about it and I thought, okay, I know this is not forever. I know there's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. So I'm going to enjoy the refreshing and just see how long it goes, you know. Because I know this will shift. It'll change. We're still here on earth. But our hearts and our destiny is all in heaven. We are bringing heaven to earth. And we are longing for the day where we will totally be swallowed up into the very presence of God and into the heavenly place like Scott was last Saturday. It says he's prepared this. He gives us this, this Holy Spirit to guarantee. In other words, when I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, not that I go by feelings, but when I know the presence is here, It reminds me, it's a guarantee of what he is going to do throughout eternity. It's a taste of heaven. Some of you during worship, I know this sounds crazy, but if you felt a few chills, you know, when it said something in one of the songs that kind of related very strongly into your heart, you're like, whoa, whoa. When that happens, that moment, you are tasting heaven. You are tasting the goodness of God. There's something about it. And I'm telling you, you are a carrier of that. You are a battery. You are imbibed with the very presence of God that when you show up, inside of you is everything that is needed to change the room and the environment that you're in. Amen. you? You're a carrier of it. Forget evangelism. Let's be carriers of his presence. Let's just walk around to Panera. I love Panera,' such a prophetic place. Panera means time for bread. Pan, bread, era. You get it. Panera. Time for bread. Lord, give me an idea for a T-shirt a few months ago. Spread the bread. Spread the bread, the bread of his presence, the bread of his presence. All I wanna do, sometimes I go into a place and I minister to people. I, you know, I don't know what's going on. I had a situation uh, a week ago. I was at my uh, second daughter's house, Lauren. Lauren has a dog. He's 14 year, she's 14 years old, Ruby. Ruby's crazy. She's not all there, really. But she's so loving. Like she, she like she's, almost comes out of her skin when I show up and when Cindy showing up. For the grandparents. The granddog. She's just like, she's squirming and jumping and leaping. And you have to say, Ruby, no, sit, sit. And then she'll sit on our haunches with this little innocent thing and just stare in your face, you know. And so anyway, the day that uh, Graham Cook called and canceled that he was not coming to the conference, which was, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday, We just pulled up to Lauren's house. We were dropping off something inside. Cindy went inside, because I just got this call from Graham Cook saying he can't come. So I'm in a space, I'm in a moment like, oh my gosh, five days to the conference, our key speaker's not coming, you know? And I look up and I see Ruby. Ruby's looking out the window at me. Her tail's wagging like, hey? Pawpaw, you coming in? And I'm like, I wave to her, you know? Cindy comes out and says, you really do need to go in and greet her, because she had a wound on her body, on her leg. And, and she had the cone head, you know, you know, that cone they get around there. So I looked up and how pathetic is that? I'm so glad they don't do that to humans, you know. Imagine walking around with one of those cones on your head like, yeah, I, I'm not supposed to lick my leg. <laughs> you know? So she had the cone on there. And of course, I said, all right, you know, I'm thinking about Graham Cook. I don't have time. I got important things to do. So I go in there. But on the way in there, this is what came to my mind. Even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Bread, spread the bread. What, dogs? Is this isn't evangelism. She's already a believer. This is about bringing the presence of God into a situation. So I get in there and she is wild. She is so excited. She's leaping, jumping and praising God, you know, and just so excited, jumping up on me. And I'm, Ruby, Ruby, sit, sit. She gets down in her position. She's real serious, looks me in the face. I'm telling you, I know maybe we shouldn't put this. Is our live stream working today? Okay, well, okay, we're going. I looked in her eyes and I felt the presence of God. I felt such deep compassion. It's so stupid. I started weeping. I'm getting it now, man. It's like a dog. And I thought, Lord, crumbs from the table, Lord. So I laid hands on her head. She looked at me. She's looking right at me. You know, her eyes are fixed. I, I laid my hands on her head. I said, Jesus, heal this dog. She's just been uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness. She's got about a year to live. She's 14. I said, and I don't know if she knew that, but I, I said it, so now she does. But I... I pray for her and said, Lord, touch Ruby. Thank, I thank you, Lord, that she has ministered to my daughter for 14 years. She's been such a companion, Lord. She has loved, I'm, I'm getting, I'm weeping, you know, I'm just like, and Ruby is like so connected. It's like she's looking in my eyes or the windows of the soul, you know, there's just connection going on. And I got done and I, I uh, when I did, she immediately put her body up next to mine where her wound was. And I thought, I mean, you know, this is, Cindy's probably like, where is Steve? Like, you're and I'm, I'm weeping, and I thought, well, she wants me to pray for this wound, you know? So I reached down, I lay hands on her, I said, Lord, heal this wound quickly, Lord. And then I did something I don't know that I've ever done before. I'm not even sure if it's legal. But I prophesied over. And I said, you will live another five years in the name of Jesus. And I, it was one of those words you give, and then you're like, oh, wait, you know, <laughs> got to grab that back in there. But nobody was there until I just said this now. But anyway, I prophesied over, and she was like, the peace that came upon her. you got to understand this dog. I said she's crazy. She is. She's crazy. She was as calm and peaceful and she sat back down and she watched me walk out of the door. She wouldn't do that normally. She'd be leaping and jumping all over me. She just watched me going out the door. I got out the car and Cindy said, what are you crying for? So uh, it's a personal matter, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is, what, is it, what is that? Wait a minute, okay, let, let, let's break through this barrier that we have. You mean, You mean, it's not just evangelism, winning souls. The Bible says it's wise to win souls. It's not just winning souls. I say not just because most of us don't do it. It's not just winning souls. It's about being a carrier of Jesus and his Holy Spirit everywhere you go and affecting the environment where you're with, whether it's God's nature, it's animals, it's people, whatever. Be known for being a carrier of the presence of God. St. Francis did that on a normal basis, by the way. He ministered to wolves, he spoke to animals. I mean, we, we read it like, well, it's kind of legendary stuff. I've read a lot about St. Francis. I got a number of books, not as many as I do about St. Patrick, but a couple, four or five. I love going to Assisi in Italy. I've been on the, you know, near the path that Francis made from Gubbio down to Rome, and many, many people over the years have followed that same path in order to kind of catch the, the anointing or the spirit or the feel of what St. Francis went through. He was somebody that loved. Loved nature, loved animals. I'm telling you, there's an environment with God. God created God. By the way, let me just tell you this: It's not in my notes, but God is an outside God. You don't find Him inside. He built a garden, not a temple, and He put a man and woman into it. Said, "Tend and keep." I mean, when you go outside, you are entering into a different realm, in my opinion, a different realm of spiritual understanding. It says in Romans one that you can perceive the divine nature of God through what you see in nature. That his divine attributes are revealed in nature. That's what it says in Romans one. So when you go outside for a hike or a walk or whatever, don't just kind of get down, look on your phone while you're going, open up and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me. (laughs) That's one person's being touched right now. Gonna go home and minister to their dog. (laughs) What I've received. (laughs) What I've received, Rover. You take. All right. So here it is. It says this: that habitation from heaven. There is. uh, There's a. uh, uh, There's something. deep inside born-again believers that is yearning for the greater place in God. But the stuff of life clouds it out. When you allow that to come up and go forth, remember Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come out of your belly, would flow rivers? We have like trickles. (laughs) Trickles, we need to turn on the water. Allow the flow. You don't have to get freaked out about it, just flow. You don't have to go, oh, no, we're going to go out and we're going to evangelize. We're going to win people to Jesus. I, I never do that. I just do what I do. I remember when I started doing the RUAJF, Are You a Jesus Follower, in 2018, people said, I want to go with you when you do that. I said, there's no going with me. It's just, I go to Home Depot, it, the Holy Spirit goes with me. Yeah. If I go to Lowe's or, or Costco especially, huge presence of God at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Walmart. Walmart's a harvest field, you know, what do you, you go and you, I sit, I belly up at the bar, a lady starts a conversation. I walk into Walmart a couple of weeks ago, I already told you this, uh, I was waiting for my family to come through the line, they had all kinds of stuff. We went over there just to kind of look around, you know how it is, you end up with a cart full of stuff. And uh, on my way out, a lady comes up and says, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, and I turn and look, and it's a lady who works in the optical place, and she's She's weeping and saying, "My mother died yesterday," you know, and and right there, we're I mean, express line. We're praying for this woman, and the power of God's coming upon her. Cindy came over and did some excellent ministry with her in that moment. But you you go places, and you don't you don't you don't have to go for the purpose. You are you are always. You're always there because the Holy Spirit is in you and with you. And that yearning for a heavenly habitation comes out in what you communicate. And it will make you look a whole lot more attractive than you are. (laughs) It will make you more interesting than you normally are. Because it's not about you. This narcissism that has gripped our culture is choking the church right now. If we can break out of that barrier, like a shell that's come upon us, we break out of that narcissism and we realize it's all about Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk talking about Jesus. When you enter the name of Jesus into a conversation, the entire atmosphere begins to change. I'm telling you, it opens up people's hearts. Things get revealed. Things happen. And your day is gonna be full of the goodness of God. Let's just read on here really quick. Let's jump down to verse nine. Because of this this yearning that's inside of us for the heavenly habitation and the conflict of this earthly tent, you know, there's actually nothing more, I shouldn't say nothing, there's, there's few things more magnificent than somebody who's in desperate need ministering to someone who's in desperate need. Out of your own need, you're ministering. Out of your own need, you're saying, Lord, touch this person and heal them. I mean, we saw this on The Chosen in this past season with little James when little James was, was ministering, you know, and, and then the Lord talked to him later. Little James said, "You know, I'm I'm getting people are getting healed, but what about me, Lord?" And the Lord has this amazing explanation to him in the in the film, you know, about it. And I thought, you know, I don't I don't you know chosen obviously is not verse by verse by scripture, but his it, concepts are really there. But it, it held a very powerful truth that that sometimes there's great power in ministering to people out of your own weakness. You're discouraged, you're depressed, but you say, well, I'm going to minister. You, you're poor, but you give money. I mean, it's amazing. It's like a weapon against the powers of darkness when you move in the opposite spirit. Because you're not moving in the opposite spirit. You're moving in the spirit of Christ. Which is many times the opposite spirit. Moving in the spirit of Christ in the midst of it. It says this in verse 9. Therefore, because of all that, make it, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Do you understand that? We are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Most people don't, most people don't believe that God judges. He's done it. That was the Old Testament. He doesn't judge anymore. No, there's still judgment. In fact, he even says in Scripture in the New Testament that those who teach are under a stricter judgment. How do you think that makes me feel? It's, it's a, a responsibility You have the spirit of Christ in you. Is anyone seeing it? Is anyone experiencing it? Or do you have a full-time job of keeping that thing stuffed down in there that I don't want it to get out. People are gonna think I'm weird. I might get canceled. I might lose my job or anything else. I'm telling you, God will be with you in the midst of that. Make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. I wish I had more time. I would love to to pause on that a minute because there are a lot of people, it's one of the heresies in the church right now, that you, you know, why why don't you pray for more of God? You already have everything that God ever has. I understand that, but it's about discovery. Sometimes you can have the full inheritance and all of a sudden realize, hey, there was money over in this account I didn't even know about. Woo, look at that, praise God. You know, so the Christian life is a bit of that. It's about heaven, the the inheritance of Christ, which let me tell you, is immense. And you're gonna discover what he's cobbled away for your life, the rest of your life. So when you say, more Lord, you're saying, that's what I want. Lord, I want more of you. I, I know that in my finite mind, even though I have all that Christ has, I have not yet discovered it. So I say, Holy Spirit, come, empower, reveal. Give me understanding, Lord, of where I am in this situation and what you're doing. He says, and to be well-pleasing to him. People say, God, you can never please God any more than what you've already done. Read scripture. It's full of ways to please God. And if you want to please God, you'll read scripture because you'll want to know what pleases God. You get married, you just go, they've got me. What well, can there be, anything else that they want? That's why you get premarital counseling. <laughs> Am I not enough? In your present form? Maybe not. <laughs> enough that I love you and I'm married to you. But we're now moving into a 30, 40, 50, 60-year venture of finding out what pleases one another. If you do that, you know, I love it. If, if a wife is trying to find out what pleases her husband, what are the things he loves, What you know, where he's like going vacation, all this kind of, and he's doing the same thing with his wife, you're gonna have this constant battle of who's winning and pleasing. It's kind of quiet on that one. Little little side note of marital counseling there. Hope hope you receive it. Move on so that we don't get in trouble. But we be pleasing to him. You can discover stuff that pleases God. Yes. I joke with Joel all the time. He's not here today. He's up in Middleburg. But I joke with Joel. I go, you know, I think the Lord likes that song. We need to keep singing that. You know, and the thought is like, what well, God likes certain songs more than others. Like he does. There's certain songs. That's why I Exalt He's been around for 40 years. I'm gonna do something in the dynamic. God. I'm sure in heaven, God says, I love it when they sing that song. I love it because it aligns their heart. It gets their attention. There's a focus and I'm able to distribute through that relationship, powerful, beautiful things into the light because they've locked in with me and there's worship coming out. So verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one, everyone will do it, will receive things done in the body. What you do matters. I have Jesus Christ. I can kind of do whatever I want. I'm covered in the blood. (laughs) Well, Calvinists would actually question that. If you're acting that way, were you ever even saved? Although I'm not a Calvinist, I understand that. Because some people think that they've received this great gift that changes the entire world. And all they bought was fire insurance to get into heaven and not go to hell. They can live and do whatever they want. No, this is life of learning to please God. And there will be a judgment seat where will say, okay, show me the fruit of your life. Wait, where's that in scripture? It's in several places in scripture. You can look it up for your homework. It says, before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is written to believers. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. No one ever preaches out of this verse. It's not good to talk about fear and terror in the church anymore. But there is a terror of the Lord that Christians should know. I've seen it many times in my life and I, I'm four minutes over so I can't tell you about it. But knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. You say, well, I don't do anything out of fear. The, actually, the word there for terror, there, I, I, know you, I knew you'd ask that. What does it really mean, though? What what do you know? What's the word for it? The word that is in that is is phobus. You know where we get our word phobia? The fear of the Lord, because we know the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. There's something about we realize God's intention for us is to come out of ourselves and for Christ to move through us to impact people all around us. Verse 14. I'm going to finish with this because I'm over. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, but he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is not your life. Give it up. Follow Christ. Get out of your fears. Lay them aside. Everyone's, everyone's having panic attacks nowadays. And I get it. I understand it. I've had one myself. i got got little sis, suffered with a panic attack. I've had one. They are not good. I've seen other people that have them. They're not good. But why are you fixated on it? God's not giving us a spirit of fear. We want power, love, and a sound mind. Let's blow through some of these things. I understand medical care. I understand. Like I get it all. I really, I studied it in my, uh, my seminary level. I get it. I understand it. I've experienced it. 45 years of ministry. I'm just telling you, you can break through these things. You can come on the other side. The power of God is in you for that. It says, it compels us. We no longer ourselves were with him. Therefore, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Racism is out of the bounds of Christianity. We don't, we don't judge anyone because they're a man or a woman. Because they're young or old. Because they're from Cleveland Heights or East Side. <laughs> I'm a Clevelander so I can say that. Or the West Side. Where are you from? Oh, okay. Tells me a lot about you. You're no longer that, and no according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ, look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, who's in Christ right here? Raise your hand. Okay, in Christ, that's you then. Anyone who's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All limitations, all loss, all lack passed away. Clean slate, new possibilities in Jesus Christ. I don't care if you smoke dope, in the past or or ran around with men or women or whatever you did. I mean, some people get in the store, well, you wouldn't believe, Pastor, no, I'd believe it. But it doesn't matter anymore. It's gone. You're a new creation in Christ. Part of that new creation, you become new. Now all things are of God and have been reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God who is in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, Blah, 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 but has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. This is the crescendo. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. Whoa. Open your mouth, Steve, or I'm going to open it for you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Every day there should be someone that you're saying this to. Be reconciled to God. I don't say you're a sinner, you're far from God. I'm not imputing your sin to you. I'm speaking to him and saying, there is a family you can join. It's called the family of God. You decide to follow him to give everything to Jesus Christ, your life will change. He is a transformational agent and his gospel will change you. Be reconciled to God. Then he, stand up please, we're in verse 21. <laughs> for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Woo, let's thank the Lord for that. Jesus, take it over here. <laughs> Yeah, lift up your hands like you're ready to receive. Here's the deal, I believe that, you, maybe you shouldn't raise your hands unless you're ready for this. I'm believing for an, a full animation of heaven in your life this week, everywhere you go. That the Spirit of God begins to come out powerfully, breaking through your own divisions, your own walls, saying, oh, I'm not that, guy. I'm a gift. I'm a prayer person. Well, it's good. But you also have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. I'm working with the children. That's good. It's commendable. I love it. I greet at the door. Those are, those are good things. But when you leave this place, you're a carrier of everything you receive today through this worship. My goodness, your tanks should be full. And you're going out there like a generator where the power's out in everyone's life. As if that ever happens. It happened here yesterday for five hours. Get the generator, get the cords hooked up. You are that generator by the Spirit of God. And you're going out and you're plugging them in. Power of God. Healing. Deliverance. Freedom. The boundaries that are being broken. Even though we have our own boundaries, we're still breaking through. It's not out of weakness. We say, Jesus, break these boundaries in the name of the Lord. So just hold your hands up. Close your eyes just for a minute. Jay's going to uh, minister to you for a minute. And we just believe that some here that may not know Jesus Christ will come to know him and that others, we just ask for that spirit, the ambassador anointing to be upon you all this week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.